1: Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my friends Rivka and Burke, and this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How are you today, Rivka?
0: I'm doing great, thanks. How are you, Todd?
1: Awesome. I'm doing very well, thank you. Any exciting things in your life right now?
0: Uh, my kids got their braces off, and so we're mostly finished with orthodontist appointments.
1: Wow, Which is really that exciting. That is a big deal.
0: Like, you know, 25 years ago when I got my braces off, I went in the last day and they took the braces off and they bonded a couple of retainers and I was finished. Mm-hmm. And with my kids, I have two of them. It's like as they got closer to getting them off, the checkups and adjustments got closer and closer to, you know, gather and more frequent. And then... They got it off and then they had to come back and get molded for retainers. And then they came and got, one of them got a a temporary one and one of them got their actual one. And then they both had to go in for bonding on the butt. Like, I feel like all I've done for the last six weeks is go to the orthodontist with one or the other of my kids. I can't believe how much it's taken. (laughs) So (laughs) when I say they both have their braces off and we're pretty much done, I feel like it's like my, my calendar freed up all of a sudden. I was going yeah. like like two to four times a week for the last Yikes. month and a half. So, yeah. It that took is
1: two a, to four too many. It
0: took a staggering amount. I was glad it was like a flat fee that I was paying because I kept thinking if I was paying for each of these appointments, I would be livid right now. Be <laughs> more efficient. But I'm sure they have their reasons. I don't know. I'm glad to be finished with that, though.
1: Yeah. I think we're all old enough to remember when braces were uncommon.
0: Yeah. It's true. They're yeah. much more common now. And well, my kids have had them for a while because they inherited my husband's side of the family's unusual
2: oh, oh, stuff. Broof. Just, yeah, just wow.
0: accurate. Just <laughs> yeah, accurate. His true. family has missing teeth. And like one of my kids had to have his spacer put in to widen his jaw. Well, really the mandible portion. So all of his teeth fit. So they've been in and out of orthodontics for about seven years right so this is a big that is a big a win they're finally they're finally done they see the light at the end of the tunnel
1: yeah and lifetime retainer after this or is that they're an end to end to that
2: too
0: um the bottom ones are bonded so that's kind of lifetime i don't know about the top ones i'm sure the top ones are like at night forever
2: yeah. right yeah i think retainers are forever i still wear mine so
0: yeah at night yeah.
1: Retainers are forever. That's a slogan <laughs> that'll get you into orthodontia. Nothing else does. <laughs> well, and, uh, well, Burke, how are your teeth today?
2: Uh, my teeth are just fine. Good. How's the
1: rest of, me is the doing, rest of you?
2: Yeah, it's doing well, yeah. also. I have a, I have a Daphne who is almost a year old. Now. Wow. Yeah. And newly groomed oh. yesterday, looking all clean and dapper, just snoozing at my feet. So it's a wonderful, wonderful day.
1: Uh, I'm. You can't talk about the dog anymore. I'm just so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I heard on the Hank Smith, John, by the way, podcast this week, they were talking about the crazy thing from Judges 11. We skipped over where the guy was like, whatever comes out of my house next, I will oh, sacrifice yeah. to you. And it was his daughter, which yeah. is a crazy story. And he was joking about, how Hank Smith wished it was his cats Yep, because <laughs> <'cause laughs> his wife loves cats and he doesn't. Yep. That was very relatable. <laughs> so I'm jealous of your current situation. Burke. She, she's awesome.
2: Come visit anytime. You should get a dog. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> Indeed. Uh, let's not open up that marital rift. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's actually, it would, it will greatly complicate your life, but sometimes it's really Indeed. nice. So, Yeah. Well,
1: let us move on from temporal things to eternal things. Um, well, I guess attainers are eternal. We learned yeah, that's so, right. so other types of things, <laughs> eternal things, spiritual um, eternal things. We are going to talk today about the talk "Do What Mattereth Most" by Rebecca L. Craven, Second Counselor in the Young Women General Presidency. And um, I've just got to lead off and say that I've seen Sister Craven on a few videos and talks. And she always appears to be smiling. And that really endears me to her or endears her to me. Um, So I always like that. She seems to be uh, living a life of joy or at least giving talks filled with joy. If nothing else, I don't know how the rest of her life is, of course. But yeah, so let's talk about her fundamental doctrine here. And we'll start with Rivka today. So Rivka, what did you highlight as your fundamental (sighs) doctrine from this talk?
0: This was one where
2: I had a hard
0: time kind of choosing one of the things.
2: There weren't any obvious ones.
0: There were there (laughs) were a lot of obvious ones. That was the (laughs) problem. Um, But I chose this paragraph. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ involves more than just hoping or believing. It calls for effort, movement, and commitment. It requires that we do something, being doers of the word and not hearers only.
1: That was a hard selection, but that was my selection, yeah. Rivka. You did me it. Too, yeah. Me too. Me <laughs> too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh no!
0: See, now I should have. You should have gone first, and then I could have picked one of the other ones. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, since we all picked the same thing, Rivka, what did that mean to you? And then Burke, will hear from you. What it meant to you?
0: Um. While being a disciple of Christ definitely involves hope and belief. So much of what we teach in this gospel differs from a lot of ideas in mainstream Christianity about Jesus Christ, because we don't preach um, the idea that you're you're born again once and then that's good. You know, like it's a one-time thing, and then you can do whatever for the rest of your life, I guess it doesn't matter because you've been saved on that one day. Um, right. That as president Nelson often says, the Lord loves effort. And here she states that is they're required to do, um, do things and not, not just kind of have it be a, I don't know, an <laughs> amorphous or ephemeral sort of idea so yeah. when she she follows this up with a story where she she says a young friend a young woman of hers asked her how do you know that anything about the church is true because i feel nothing so before she answers the question she asked her like tell me about your personal scripture study and the girl said i don't read scriptures and she said do you, do you come st- come follow me study with your family no well, what do you feel when you pray? I don't pray. And my, my response to her was simple. If you want to know anything, you'll have to do something. And then she says this, I love this. I invited my new friend to start doing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that some, that sentence, doing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We often say like living the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I don't know, changing that word from living to doing is, um, I don't know, it's helpful. It kind of puts some even a little more feel of action into it. Start doing the gospel of yeah. Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, I love that. It was a great story and doing the gospel is an awesome thing. I love it.
0: Yeah. And, and she uh, says conversion won't happen if you're not doing anything. Which I mean that's a scientific principle. <laughs> Something has to be happening in order for change to occur, <laughs> occur in anything. So
1: and and it seems obvious when she says it, but in life how often do we just stagnate and think, well, Nothing's happening. Well, we're not doing anything either. So.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, Burke, um, tell me tell me what this sentence meant to you, or this little paragraph, and why you chose it as the fundamental doctrine.
2: Well, I think Rivka's answer was fantastic, but I wanted to add just a little bit from kind of my own history and training. Is I was thinking back at how often, say, in you know, in an anesthesia or in the operating room in general, when you're learning in medicine, you do a lot of study first. And then you get the opportunity to actually do. And I think of how often either I asked someone I was training or when I was getting trained to do something, the first question someone asked was, have you done this before? Mm -hmm. Because if you haven't, then someone needs to show you because you don't know how to do it. And I think it's similar here. You know, she'd say, well, I don't, I don't feel anything with the gospel. She's like, well, have you done the gospel before? No. (laughs) Well, you, then you need to, I need to, here, let me show you here. Let me tell you what's necessary. And then you need to do something, just like Rivka said. And then once you have done it, then, then you can refine and you can improve, but you need to have at least, you need to try. So.
1: Indeed. Like the, the seed analogy, right? You need to plan it and see what grows. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. The first lumbar puncture I ever did, Burke was in med school. I was a third year med student. Lumbar puncture is where you insert a needle into somebody's, um, back in their low back. You're hoping to take out the fluid that surrounds the nerve roots and spinal cord and brain. And, um, I was in a teaching institution and I, it was on a pediatric nurse. So she worked at this teaching institution. So of course she knew that I was a student, right? And so her question was, "Well, have you ever done this before?" And I was like, "Well, no, I've never <laughs> have." But and uh, fortunately, she was like, uh, "Well, I guess I'm at a university setting, and so just do the best you can." Yep. And she sort of knowingly let let herself be my my first attempt. So yeah. and it was fine, and it went fine, but it doesn't always go fine, and. And uh, adjustments definitely need to be made as you're living the gospel, for sure.
2: Yeah, but for sure, if you want to know anything, you have to do something. Indeed.
1: Well, I will just add to that um, the perspective of having a recent high school graduate. Um, There was lots of discussion leading up to graduation about encouraging my soon-to-be graduate to get a job. Um, He had had a job. He quit the job. And was waiting for things to happen to to get the job, Uh, you know, choir to be done and so on. And um, mostly he had a bunch of free time because his classes were a little easier and he was playing D&D and video games and watching YouTube. He's a good kid, um, but just normal teenage things, right? And less productive time than I would like to see as a parent. But, you know, he's doing the things that all the teenagers do. And so he got a job, and now he's working about 30 hours a week. And he said to my wife yesterday, Oh, you know what? I I feel a little like happier, more energetic, and and you know, just feel a little bit better about life. And Burke and I were talking before we started. It's so weird. You know, it's a it's one of those gospel paradoxes. The Lord loves effort, but in return, you get purpose and satisfaction and contentment and and joy through that effort and through that work. So you would think your brain and your body tell you like, oh, you know what makes me happy? Sitting on the couch, binging Netflix and eating ice cream and chips. That all sounds very fun, but it's not happy at all. And you pay a price for that in the end. So this doing sounds hard, but when you actually do it, it, it gives you more than you put into it in return. I'll mm-hmm. stated. Um, yeah. So, all right. Well, <clears throat> that was, a that was at the beginning of the talk and she went on and further expounded on these principles. So let's go back to Rivka. What else stood out to you um, in this gospel of doing that she talks about?
0: Well, I did think of Deanna this week as I was listening to it because she, she talks about bossing your brain.
1: Okay. Yes, I I talked <laughs> to Diana about me that of Deanna too. Diana as well.
0: Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> we should have had her come on and tell us all about it. Um, so she says, our oldest son's third grade teacher taught her class to boss your brain. It was a reminder to her young students that they were in control of their thoughts and could therefore control what they do. I remind myself to boss my brain when I find myself drifting towards things that matter less. So this is in in the section of the talk where she's discussing how we're, we're always doing things. It's very rare to meet someone who never does anything. Um, But if we're going to be doing the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we need to be able to uh, make a distinction or have the gift of discernment to know which things matter most in all of the doing that we're doing. So then she talks about bossing her brain when her, Natural man tendencies would have her doing things that don't matter as much, but might be fun temporarily, like the chips and the ice cream, you know? And instead she's like, look, brain, instead we're going to have some protein and some vegetables and some healthy carbs, and then we can have a little bit of ice cream, but maybe not a day's worth of it, you know? Yeah. Bossing your brain.
1: I would, so Rivka, you said, um, It's rare that we meet anyone who does nothing Mm -hmm. or absolutely nothing. I think that's true. However, I would add some nuance to that and say, in my experience in my personal life and watching our generation and the youth, doing a whole lot of nothing is one of the biggest temptations that they have. And it reminds me of um, Elder Bednar's talk about, you know, the absolute emptiness of the great and spacious building and just how much like massive quantities of time you can waste just doing nothing scrolling your social media feed bouncing youtube videos you know from one to the next binging uh you know something that's 10 hours on netflix or whatever so of course they're still doing other things it's not like uh, any of well, us have
0: and those things are doing things like you're scrolling right. you're watching a video <clears throat> you're doing stuff but when we say right. like when we're saying nothing we mean nothing of substance and nothing of any sort of value yes. to life. nothing right. that builds nothing that creates nothing that empowers or ennobles or betters just like as you're saying it's wasting time and i think that's what she's talking about here like we need to do the things that matter most and so if we're getting caught up in spending our time doing things that are not productive in any way, except maybe to make other people money, <laughs> <laughs> then, right? Then that's where this that's where this your brain comes in, you know. Because anyone who has done that for any length of time, even if it's when you're sick or you know, and you just can't really uh-huh. do anything else, you know, it does not bring you any sort of happiness or joy and mm-hmm. actually after a while it starts to make you noticeably miserable yeah where you know, we are like i cannot take any more of this in like i feel awful yeah. i need it's yeah like it's like our spirit starts crying out like i am starving here please stop yes. trying to feed me this stuff that is nothing and get me something of substance and and value and nutrition
1: amen I want to talk more about the part where she discusses what matters most. And I have a question for Burke about that, that I think he's going to shed some light on for me. But Rivka, before we get to that, you mentioned the boss, your brain, and I don't want to move away from that too fast. Um, What does bossing your brain look like in your life? So besides just, you know, I, I'm not going to waste any more time. What does that phrase mean to you and how do you use it in a gospel context? So tell me what that means.
0: I find that one or the other, your spirit or your brain is going to be the boss. So one or the other of the things is driving what I'm doing. And if I feel myself in those times where I'm like, the fruit I'm producing is either not producing or it's not good fruit. I'm not feeling good. I'm not, you know, there are needs that need to be met that I'm not meeting for myself or for those i'm responsible for. Then bossing my brain feels like sitting down and having a discussion with it, <laughs> you know, like kind of a like a little counsel with myself. What is going on? What do we need to do? Why am i not doing those things? You know, what's what's causing the drift or what's causing the lack of desire, you know, or laziness or i don't know, is there a struggle and then And then addressing those things inside of me so then I can start um, doing the things that matter most and refocusing on those things. And that conversation never happens without um, prayer and the help of the Spirit to guide me.
1: Yeah. So it's like a thoughtful, self thoughtful and honest self inventory is what you're describing.
0: Yeah. That's what it's developed into. You know, when I was younger, it was kind of like this wrestle where I was like, I should be doing something else, but I'm not. And then I have found that if I, if I do it that way and it's more shallow and, 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 um, not as contemplative and certainly not as involved, not as spiritually involved, then what comes from that is almost always, um, like derogatory self-talk, which is also nothing by the way, that's also not nourishing and not helpful and, and actively feeds the, the nothing loop. Um, Right. So for me, that's a pretty good distinction. Like if I'm falling into traps of deep negative self-talk or self-criticism, that's also part of that. (laughs) Then we get to say, okay, why are we doing this now? You know, like, and, and getting the Lord involved certainly helps because the Lord never, Talks to us that way, and the spirit will never um, bring messages of worthlessness. Or, um, I don't know, the spirit's critique is different than our natural man and the adversary's criticism, right? They're different flavors, right. yeah. Yeah, so.
1: it's godly sorrow versus shame, right?
0: For sure, mm-hmm. yeah
1: if if bossing your brain rises to the level of a full blown addiction um <laughs> you know the 12 step programs they they advocate this sort of just um what's the right word like bracingly shockingly hard self honesty of of just writing out all the things you need to change and And I think confession serves that purpose as well. There have been a number of young men who I've talked to and I say, and we're talking about pornography and they say, oh, I'm doing great. And I say, well, tell me about how many times you viewed pornography this week. And they're like, well, every day, but today I've decided not to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, part of the confession is for you to see yourself honestly. Um, And then again, you know, turn it around, turn back to the Lord and, and not sort of wallow in that shame or self-pity but feel the the pain of the godly sorrow and allow it to drive you drive you to change so
0: it and it requires us to to be uncomfortable yes for a time yeah there is some discomfort that is involved in that that we kind of want to avoid but if we do it and can work through that discomfort the the feelings of love from our heavenly father and the and the um what's the word i'm looking for like were you all of a sudden as as you begin changing and your heart begins changing with the help of the savior your feelings for yourself change and they improve and they Uh become more positive and kinder and you don't have to you either get to sit in the discomfort of of the doing nothing and non progression or the discomfort of making the change. But only one of those discomforts leads to finding comfort. <laughs> and it's mm. it's the one where you change. So take your discomfort. About <laughs> one of them's more temporary than the other.
1: I love that. Beautifully said, Rivka. Well, Burke, um, anything to add to that before we move to the next idea or topic?
2: Well, I just when I read the paragraph right before the "boss of your brain" one, she puts in many words what Todd would sum up as: "If Satan can't make you bad, he'll just make you busy. <laughs> oh, I thought that's what I heard
0: too. Yeah, that's what
2: I heard when I read that in my head. So <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I was the whole time we've been talking. I'm like, do I say that? Have I said it too many times? <laughs> so thank you for bailing me out. Uh, well, I have a question for you, Burke. So uh, going back even a few more paragraphs where she starts this whole discussion of it matter what matters most, she says, in the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord occasionally says it mattereth not. It makes me ponder that if some things matter not or matter less, there must be things that matter most. In our efforts to do something or do anything, we might ask ourselves what mattereth most. So first of all, as I was reading that, I thought, I, it made me ponder, well, what matters not like are there things that I think matter a lot that actually don't matter at all so mm-hmm. she went the opposite direction that I was thinking when I first read it and so that's something I guess I need to think about what things don't matter at all that I think matter a lot um, <clears throat> maybe maybe Burke we've talked about this before maybe BYU winning a football championship is one of those things <laughs> um, <laughs> but But here's my question for you. And we've talked about this before, I think, on the podcast, but I think you have good answers for it. How do we know what matters most, Burke?
2: So, this question used to come up a lot when I taught um, youth Sunday school. And it really comes down to okay, if we have all these decisions that we have to make, then how on earth can we know which is the right thing in every situation? And there's no simpler way then for me to say you need to do the gospel fundamentals which we've already kind of talked about and the reason for that is you need the guidance of the holy ghost otherwise you can't know because the voices are too loud and it's and you can't learn just by reasoning it out a lot of times or you can't learn by watching what other people are doing um unless those people are extremely good examples which exist but tend to be few and far between I found. Um right. So I, I think the best answer is you actually have to do the gospel fundamentals and then with with real intent pray for the guidance, seek the guidance of the Holy Ghost and be receptive to it. And the hard part about that is it's one of those things where I would have to ask, you know, someone's like, well how do, how do you know what that feels like and I'd say have you done it before? And if they haven't, then they just mm. you, you just have to do it and you have to try it. It's one of those things where you can get your your own proof, but you actually have to get it yourself.
1: Yeah. That's such a good answer, Burke. I mean, the spirit guides us. That's a little bit like other cooks talk where, you know, when, when we're converted, one of the, the blessings of that is gaining spiritual guidance and how important that is in this world full of just so many voices. So.
2: Yeah, I was amazed and, at how many times when we summed up our lesson at the end of a lesson, um in a youth gospel doctor class where it's so what do we learn today? And they're like, You need to have the Holy Ghost <laughs> 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 it was like always the wrap up at the end. So Oh,
1: it's fantastic. I think President Nelson would agree. Yeah. Awesome. Did you have any other quotes, Burke, that stood out to you that you wanted to talk about?
2: Uh, I just want to make sure that we don't gloss over the paragraph after the boss, my brain, um, where she talks about a high school student recently told me that it has become popular among some youth of the church to disregard the commandments with a calculated plan to repent later. Mm. Sort of a badge of honor, I was told. Certainly the Lord will continue to forgive those who humbly repent with real intent, but the Savior's merciful atonement should never be used in such a mocking way. And when she was first saying this in my brain, I was like, gosh, that just sounds like mockery to me. And then she said, it shouldn't be used in such a mocking way, which I agree. Yeah. And and if you look at it logically, um, kind of like what happens a lot of times in finance where people are like, well, if I do the math, I should do this. But they forget that there's so much behavior that's built into how we spend money and how we save money. And right. sometimes the math just doesn't explain the whole picture. And this is similar mm-hmm. to that where... He, I expose if you're like, well, I want to experience the most in life that I can while still getting all the blessings God had promised, like, okay, I can do this and this and this, and then I can repent, but then at least I'll know to avoid those things in the future. And what you're not accounting for is all the awful things that happen by doing that. Not yes. all the time and not all people, but to a great number of people, like, like all of a sudden you have an addiction of whatever form it may be, you know, how many teenagers thought we'll just do this a few times and it'll be fun. And then became part of the hundred thousand. People in the United States who died of an overdose last year. Right. Some problems yeah. you can't come back from. And yep. so much of of this paragraph is is talking about how you can't know the outcome. So it's better to just not do the bad stuff. <laughs> because you don't know what's going to happen to you. You don't know if you will make it back. You don't know if you will later be able to repent or if you will then have this addiction that's hanging around the neck for the rest of your life and that affects everyone you come in contact with. So
0: oh.
1: Yes. And my heart just aches imagining people saying like, oh, we'll just do this a few times. And then, and then here we are 20 years later with a broken marriage and a, you know, job, not what you want it to be or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever the uh, negative consequences are. Not to mention just the deep fundamental misunderstanding of what repentance is is for and the idea of becoming like the Lord. So, yeah, you can't yeah. become like
2: the Lord by doing bad things and then hoping to repent later. This is not how that works.
1: Right. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Burke. Yeah. Um, Well, Rivka, you are the Young Women President in your ward, Mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Has has not changed since the last time we talked about it. No. Now, um, what do you do if a young woman reads this and says, Sister O'Neill, like, I do so many things. Like, I I am so busy, I'm exhausted, I'm overwhelmed. And here she's telling me, do more. Like, what What do I do with this talk? How do I implement it when I'm already doing everything?
0: Oh, man. Is that in this talk or is it in the next one? <laughs> yes. I feel like we- <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> it's in both of those. Here's the thing. We Oh, it is in this one, right? I got to find it. She says this right here. It's not about doing more. It's about doing what matters. And I have fallen into this trap myself, dear young woman, Uh (laughs) where I think, how am I going to add all of this onto the stuff I'm already doing, which I have come to learn means that already I'm not even remotely willing to discuss maybe cutting back on some of what I'm doing Uh to add in the things that matter most. And if there are things that the Lord's asking me to do that I'm not doing, then I don't have my priorities straight. But this is a, this is feels like a really difficult thing. And maybe it it is one of the most difficult things because this is what we're here in mortality to do. And that is to gain mastery over our bodies and over our natural man and over our own desires. And and do the work with the Savior to help our hearts learn to love what God loves. And that is not easy work, and it will take a lifetime, and we won't do it well. (laughs) For most of our lives, we are going to struggle with this. But if our initial thought is, I don't have time to do the things the Lord asks me, then it's probably time to sit down and really seriously take a look at what I'm spending my time doing. And what of that needs to be sacrificed Um, or given up? And it might even be good things. You know, that sacrificing what's good for what's better is a really hard one. Almost more difficult sometimes than sacrificing the not good things. Because with the not good things, we're at least like, okay, I know I shouldn't be doing that. But it's really hard when you're like, but all the stuff I'm doing is so good. And the Lord is saying, it is but you can have better and I want better. So choose better <laughs> so I can bless you with more. Indeed. Yep.
1: I love that. I love that answer. And Rivka, you speak with a gentle tone, but your words were pretty, pretty fiery. Like, <laughs> you know, look. you just look at your priorities, <laughs> cut something out. I mean, that was pretty direct. I've, uh, so.
0: I've had this conversation with myself many times. (laughs) It's a well-practiced one. And it's one where I have, when I have done it, as we've talked about before, the blessings that you, you, that you get and, and the way that you feel and the life you begin living is so indescribably better than what you can imagine that you're just, how can you not do it with this fire? You know, where you're like, Listen, <laughs> just do this thing because I promise you, it's awesome. All the stuff that you're struggling with right now can be, that burden can be lifted and taken away, but th- it, it gets, it gets done in this way. This is the way to do it. You can try a million other things and you'll just exhaust yourself more. So just amen. Just do this one. Mm-hmm.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. Well, um, let's talk about some invitations and promises. Burke, do you have any invitations or promise blessings that you
2: found? Let us not underestimate our capacity to do those things that matter most. Our divine heritage gives us courage and confidence to do and be all that our loving Heavenly Father knows we can be. And I love that she put this in there because it is an invitation, because she's already told us we have to do all the things Rivka just talked about. And then there might be that temptation to be like, oh, but it's too hard or it's too much. and I can't change and I'm not doing anything right. And she's like, no, you're not allowed to think that. You're not allowed to (laughs) underestimate your capacity to do the things that matter most. You are Um, a child of a divine royalty, so you can do it.
1: Amazing. Fantastic. How that all ties together. Um, Rivka, how about you? Any invitations or promises?
0: Well, there's a lot right here at the end. Um, I love this paragraph. It's a second to the last paragraph. Um, because this invitation, it's, it's not stated really as an invitation, but it is an invitation to start on a path. And she kind of gives you an order and a pattern for doing what, she, what she's asking us to do step by step. The more we do to stay firmly on the covenant path, the more our faith in Jesus Christ will go, grow. The more our faith grows, the more we will desire to repent. And the more we repent, the more we will strengthen our covenant relationship with God. The covenant relationship draws us to the temple because keeping temple covenants is how we endure to the end. And I love that just sort of order and pattern. You do not have to overhaul your life completely today. (laughs) You just need to start on one thing. Start reading your scriptures or start reading them better. Start saying your prayers or start learning to pray better. Do those. And as you do that, then you're strengthened and your capacity grows and the spirit will be more present in your life and will help you know other adjustments that need to be made. And you just have this lifetime of, of small adjustments that eventually will lead you to the place where you need to be so that the so that the savior can say well done now good and faithful servant you know you don't have to do it all yep. today but you need to do something today
1: <laughs> i love it and this theme i mean how many times has it come up in conference in the past two years a million mm-hmm. uh, a million and one yeah. like every talk
0: every
1: talk yep and one of my favorites is Elder Whiting, the climb up Mount Fuji, but every, you know, and then yeah. there's the one percent better. That, I mean, there's so mm-hmm. many. I feel kind of like slow. Rivka, we need some. <laughs> I we need some Rivka magic here. We oh, need a no. name for it now, like the Covenant Cycle or something. I I don't know.
0: Okay, As, well, I, like, which work is, on it. I don't practice these things.
1: Oh, it just has to happen spontaneously. It
0: probably means it's coming from the spirit, guys. So,
2: Indeed, just
0: so you know. Credit yeah. where credit's but do.
2: If only we could just find some manageable grandeur. <laughs> Actually, it is manageable grandeur.
1: Indeed, that is true. Maybe we have the name, the manageable grandeur. I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> line upon line, right? Just, yes. just start with one step. Just-
1: I was thinking covenant cycle because it's the opposite of the pride cycle. Uh, like, yeah. Instead of spiraling I down, you That's spiral true. up. Yeah, I like you that. Know? Yeah. So. I don't know. We'll think about that. But the last paragraph is sort of continues the theme that Rivka is talking about and is just sort of a an invitation and promise. As we center our lives on Jesus Christ, so that's the invitation, and the promises will be guided to do what mattereth most. And that's what Burke was talking about with the Holy Spirit. And I love the last sentence, and we will be blessed with spiritual strength, contentment, and with joy. What a way to end. And who doesn't want all those things? I want all of those things. So, And not only do I want them, I have experienced them. And I make mistakes, and sometimes I don't experience them. But I've experienced them many times, over and over, in greater and greater measure. And they come from living by covenants and sticking with the gospel. So I I testify that what she says is true. Well, the next talk we're going to discuss is Covenants with God Strengthen, Protect, and Prepare Us for Eternal Glory. It might be hard to distinguish our conversation from this talk with the conversation <laughs> we have coming up. Who, who knows? Is. Very similar themes, but just an incredible talk as well. So looking forward to discussing that one. In the meantime, you can get a hold of us on social media at Words of the Prophets Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or through email at Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. So thanks for joining us today, everyone. And until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.